episode of Breaking Down the Silo. It's a Magnetox podcast dedicated to breaking down each and every episode of the Apple Plus TV series Silo. I am Rose Lee. I'm here on Joe Malaco. Spencer Spencer, how are you? Uh, feeling a little ashamed that this is probably the fastest one of my theories has been just put to bed by the next episode, by like the first minute of the next episode. Yeah, you were due though. You've called a lot correctly. We're on a two a two show run here on Apple TV that's like you know, a lot of theory crafting and a lot of like what's happening in the world, kind of sci-fi. You've caught a lot, right? It was about time you, you took a big swing and got one wrong. So <laughs> for folks catching up, that was last episode. Spencer thought that the wall of um, monitors, tell me if I, I misquote you here, the wall of monitors that we were looking at at the end of the last episode was outside of the silo. Yes, and reflected um, an outside organization monitoring the silo. So the fact that one of our first images of this episode is freaking Sims looking over the shoulder of the operators that are there is the guy they woke up. It's like, nope, nope, I don't think that one's outside the silo unless Sims has a much more thorough work schedule than I previously assumed. Correct. Yeah, it's in the silo for sure. Uh, but, you know, I think it's what's in the janitor's closet. We finally learned what's in the janitor's closet. We, we had debated to what degree Sims... The full nature of Sims' operation was just judicial, or whether the stories that he were telling were reflecting something that was not fully under that label. And it seems like Sims is wearing multiple hats. Yeah, and, you know, I think that the actual power of the judge, what the judge is, is starting to be called into question a little bit. I think that there was an assumption from you, and, and certainly from me the first time I watched this through, that the judge was the head of judicial, was the head of the whole thing. And I She's did not get that impression from her conversation with Juliet this episode. No, the com- the implication they gave us this time around is that she is a figurehead at best. That she is a representation of what authority in the silo is that is effectively powerless to the degree that she actually resists the tides. And if you think about it, that makes a lot of sense. Because, like, the true power players probably don't want to be in a public-facing position. Mm-hmm. Like, it, that kind of makes some sense. Um, so I, I'll be excited to get to that conversation when we get there. So this is Episode 7, The Flame Keepers. We are going to go through a recap, talk about the episode, break it down line by line, try to figure out exactly what the hell happened. Then we'll jump to our segments. We always go to the best line of the episode. I and I alone remember a best line of the episode. Spencer, however, is my co-host, Gamely, every week, not provides me nominees with best line of the episode, and we will select the best line of dialogue from this episode of Silo. Then we'll go to Silo Citizen of the Week, where we award one person the best citizen of the Silo. Now, the definition of that, obviously, is up to interpretation. We Getting usually hurt. caveat our selection with an explanation of how we view best citizen of the Silo, right? Like, is it the best person who's like working in accordance with the pact shout out my guy billings or is it like you know the best person who is doing things to advance the interest of the people of the silo shout out juliet so yeah we'll we'll, we'll see when we get there um and juliet may not be winning miss congeniality award though this episode even if she was accomplishing quite a bit and then we end with theories and speculation which will be a lot of fun and you know i think that the theories and speculation section you know, I had to hold back a little bit in previous episodes because you started to touch on stuff that were would start to be revealed in toward the end of the season. I think the f- farther we get toward the end of the season, um, the more I can participate in that and, and mm-hmm. we, can, we can break stuff down in the theory section. So with that being said, I think the only plug I've got this week for the Megatalks Podcast Network is, it, as the wheel of time turns, 
Uh, that's a podcast that I am on that Spencer is not on because Spencer knows nothing about the Wheel of Time world. Sweet summer child that he is. And I actually yeah. uh, really am jealous of you for that. It's such a great world and it's such a fun book series that the fact you've never di- dived into it. You've got like at some point in your life, you've got like a really fun nine months. Uh, well, that nine months may start sooner rather than later. As a result of a promise to you and our other co-host, Jimmy, on the Star Wars podcast, I bought the first book of Wheel of Time. Woohoo! I'm so excited. It, uh, You know, I'm on the fourth book now, and I'm obviously doing that. That's the point of the, the whole plug here. We're also doing the episode-by-episode episode review of Season 2 over on the podcast feed as the Wheel of Time turns. And... It's a strange thing because, like, I like the show. Season two was really – season one was fun. Season two is really good. But uh, I cannot believe I've never dug into these books before. This is a – I mean, it, it's a – you know, I feel like for me, you, you've got Tolkien as, like, this, this sort of gold, gold standard, standard of fantasy. And then you've got that tier under it that I – for me, Martin hits that tier. Um, this is absolutely in that tier. Jordan has created a big, expansive world. It's a lot of fun. It's 14 books, so you're going to have a blast with this, I think. That's my prediction. I have agreed to read one. I'm going to go with one. I will then provide full commentary, and we'll see from there whether I want to inflict the next 13 on myself. So here's my suggestion on that. I would read one and two. If you want to quit after two, quit after two, for sure. But like, I don't think you get the full picture of the world until you read the second book, too, because I think he was finding his sea legs in book one. Um, but that's up to you. That's up to you. For our listeners, though, I uh, suggest you go over to As the Wheel of Time Turns. A lot of fun. We're doing that podcast with myself, my wife, uh, BJ, and, and his wife. Um, so we've got four people on that podcast reviewing each and every episode of that show. Season two was banger. A lot of fun. We are on the last couple episodes now. Uh, I think we've got to review episode seven, episode eight. As Spencer loves, there's only eight episodes of it because it's an Amazon show, so only eight episodes. Hey, Shame. let me tell you a story, Spencer. Shame. Guess what? I got a story for you. Ready? Go on. So uh, you, the audience can't tell because we don't do these as visual podcasts. And they, you, trust me, folks, you're, you're, you're happy we don't do <laughs> You're missing that. out, you, people. You, you don't really want to see our mugs every week. But behind me is a hotel room. Why, Spencer? I'm traveling. And mm-hmm. I am at a place where I'm doing a work conference and the work conference has like a trade show like floor with people set up in booths and stuff. Amazon was it this one. And they had a massive, I mean, like four or five booths set up and like all this free stuff. What were they advertising? It crossed my mind as I walked by to just do it for you to walk by and go eight episodes aren't enough. (laughs) Please. No, come on. If you're there for another day, do it, please. For okay, me. I promise. I'll do it tomorrow. I'm going to walk up to the people at the Amazon booth and I'm going to say, hey, can you please tell your bosses? Can you <laughs> completely separate part of the speed company, dial? please. Hey, can you, can you just put him on speed dial right now? I'll tell him. <laughs> please do this. And uh, eight episodes is not enough. Yeah. Wheel of Time, uh, it's, it falls like every other Amazon show. It's eight episodes a season. So we're going to review the last two over on As the Wheel of Time Turns. Back to the business at hand. We got to review, finish reviewing Silo, Spencer. This is episode seven, The Flame Keepers. You ready to jump in the recap? Damn straight. All right, me too. So, previous yawn has George, the big question. Some on Allison, more on the big questions. George using women, Juliet's father. Sir George, more Mont in the house. George's ex. The book about Georgia. <clears throat> says George and Georgia. This is the state Georgia book about Georgia. What if everything you know to be true, everything you've been told by the people you love was, in fact, just one big lie? That's a quote from our guy, George. 
Silo music, as we see Juliet on a monitor in the wall of monitors that is actually in the silo we learned. So, then we jump into the episode. If you were Juliet, and you saw that this was a book advertising Georgia, that you know was held by George, and is a family heirloom, would you think that Georgia was in some way actually connected? Like he was named after, you know, the family connection to this to, to whatever Georgia is? I think the implication is George was named after Georgia because the mother had the book, which is what we learned when the, in the conversation with Gloria. Very possible. What did we start with God? We start with feet in the sand, and it looks like the lady, this is Gloria, who was helping Allison, and um, she's tracing a seashell, breeze hitting her face. We see a man with a young girl. Mommy, how far does it go forever? Back to someone saying Gloria, and we realize she was imagining it. She says she has to go back. The nurse then gives her a shot. She calms down. Um, question for Spencer. How are they making the drugs down there? Oh, good. They're making the drugs real good. We heard we, heard, we heard talked about mushrooms earlier. Maybe it's just straight up hallucinogens. I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know how they're making them. Like he, he also asked for some aspirin. Like how, did, how are they pressing aspirin down there? Again, they've got a, well, they have trees. So they could have just, you know, you know, trees by which they're harvesting aspirin from on a separate floor. They have cat food. Uh, they've got pigs, we find out this episode, because they're serving bacon. Uh, and also eggs, chickens down there too. This is a full-service two-star hotel that they're staying in right now. I'll say this. If I was going to make a silo, the thing I would demand we put down there is chickens. because Chickens? Well, yeah, because they breed. I mean, they... they, they the uh, gestation period's really quick. It's mm -hmm. um, they grow up really fast and they start producing a lot of eggs real quick. So I would, I, yeah, I would definitely have a bunch of fucking chickens down there for sure. Yeah, practically speaking, if you're gonna have farm animals of any kind, chickens and pigs make a certain degree of sense. Pigs will eat pretty much anything of your waste refuse, and chickens require nothing to become numerous. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, cows is where we're gonna have some problems. Cat like I bet mm -hmm. a steak is really mm -hmm. expensive down there. Yeah, I. If they have steak down here, I'm riding. It's like, like, no, come on. There are practical limitations of what resources these people brought. Down I'm sure they've right. got some cows, but just not a lot. What? What? Because well, they have leather. Yeah, they've got leather. They've got milk. True. I forgot about the freaking milk. We don't necessarily know it's cow's milk. It could be some. Could be. Goat. There are any variety of mammals it could be from. Goat's milk is pretty good. So, uh, back to um, Gloria, and she's just sort of comatose. So we cut to Juliet looking at the the book and she seems sort of rocked by it and we see the names in the front cover gloria and george spencer when you get a book like if you get a book for christmas do you write in the cover like christmas 2023 from mom no i i would i i i've argued with this with your wife before but i view writing in books as sacrilege i do not mark in them whatsoever even to mark memories like that can you please write in the wheel of time book terry and jimmy me and Jimmy made me get this. <laughs> Terry Jimmy to made me it. deface this work. <laughs> I am I am held prisoner here to read at least two of these stupid books. Um, Done. Yeah. Will do. On my Kindle <laughs> copy, I'll think of a way to do that. You're going to come back to me. I know you well enough. You're going to come back to me and tell me, book one is like, this is like middling fantasy. What am I doing? And then if I get you to read book two, you'll go, okay, it might not be my favorite thing ever, but I get it. That's my prediction. We will see. Well, one prediction that the show led me on wrong about early is that still holding out hopes for some grand conspiracy, the fact that Gloria was having seemingly memories from the beach, it was like, 
oh my god, maybe the timeline's just completely gone. It's like, no. She reveals later in the episode that she just self-inserted herself because it was so visually distinct. You know, I never made that leap. I never thought it was like her actually outside the silo. I, I've believed the 140 years since the rebellion thing. Like, I believe that like gravity down there. I believe that's true. I'm desperately trying to undermine any aspect of what they're telling me at every available opportunity. And this one, they gave me for most of an episode. Man, ain't that the truth? Every single thing that comes up, you're like, yeah, but... Yeah, but how is this bullshit? Man, that extends beyond this podcast. Uh, yeah, we are, for, for sure. That's Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty on brand. Uh, so the two guys uh, we saw last episode who were watching the monitor... Um, Ask Sims, do, and I've got Sims a in all and caps. Dude B with, until I know otherwise. Say what? Dude A and Dude B until I know otherwise. Yeah, I think we know one of them is Diego later, right? Like, we get one name. True, yeah. Was it Sims that, like, choose him out at some point or something? Exactly, yeah. But we see Sims down there, and I was kind of shocked to see Sims down there, to be honest with you, because I thought, my I never thought it was outside the silo, so I didn't have that same thing that you thought. But I did think it was part of the it kingdom i thought bernard would be looking at these screens no we had more evidence that bernard is actually on the side of heroes sorry bernard i had you completely understood wrong at first episode i saw you man you i'll tell you you have missed on a couple characters because you missed on my guy billings too uh yeah, yeah. what how yeah. dare you sir i'm i'm, I'm still i i didn't my assumption early wasn't necessarily that he was going to be like an intentional traitor or spy, but that he would have, you know, just report back loyalties. That was true for at least a hot minute, but he's at least going in a better direction. That's a Juliet in her office. Um, oh, no, actually, Sims says to the guys, he's like, yeah, don't don't stop her. Because what Juliet was doing in that image was taking the book, putting it in her bag and leaving. He says, but follow her. So mm -hmm. cut to Juliet in her office. She gets some sort of message. You've got what? mail. No, notably, Juliet, as she's leaving her house, stares at the flowers. The flowers that were previously in a vase. And it's like, I did knock, not, not, I did not knock those over. I'm going to file that one away and come back to it. And as I am doing the same thing. Yeah, I think that my impression is that Juliet is pushing a big rock up a hill. Sifis, but it's a rock. Sifis, yes. But it's a rock that's not used to anybody trying to move it. So, like, these people are making some small mistakes in working with Julia and through this whole process because they just aren't used to people being on their shit quite, quite as close as Julia is. Yeah, I'm straight there with you. This is now falling within a vein of what we've seen of what were previously I wrote off as judicial mistakes. But now, whether this group is judicial or not, they're falling into the same category of they're just not prepared for this this kind of person to be investigating them. For the, have to monitor this kind of person who is just actively mathematically, you know, engineering style, picking apart and trying to fix a problem that is them. You've got mail. And then she sees she got a hit for Gloria Hildebrand. Light comes on, in comes Billings. He doesn't speak. Remember, they had a pretty tough falling out last episode. <laughs> Going to get worse before it gets better. She's trying to make small talk, ask about the baby. Paul's like, she's good. Paul gets to work and she says she hasn't. And he says, you've got messages. First is from maintenance. They are apologizing. They broke her vase and they are taking it to get repaired. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, this is uh, this is where I'm with you in the skeptical camp. Juliet asked why they were there in the first place. Paul, I don't know how Fair. things are. It, I don't know how things are in the down deep, but up here we learn not to question the workings of maintenance unless you want your toilet to stop working. Uh, what did I Juliet think, say to that? Uh, down in maintenance. Down in maintenance. No, sorry. Down in the down, down low, we fix our own shit. Yeah, we fix it. We fix it ourselves with mechanical. I say this. She's right. She should be skeptical about the broken vase. We that that bears out this episode, but she can be insufferable. Ugh. Uh, that is Juliet's watchword for the entire damn episode. She is more Juliet than normal, even in terms of interacting with other people. We love Juliet, both of us, me and you both. We're big Juliet fans here on this. Podcast, oh yeah, to completely the same level, no differing levels of like her occurring at all. You love her too, but boy, she's the worst parts of her personality are on full display here. And I think it's because she's backed in a corner. This is a snake. You know, this is, this is a snake that's lashing out because she's backed in a corner. She's feeling the pressure. So the worst parts of her personality are on full display. Uh, to people that they don't need to be on display to. It's like, if, if at this point you don't trust certain of these people around you, that's on you, not them. They've done a lot to be in your camp and you're still at every opportunity telling them to get bent. She says she's going out. He questions her. She says it's something I need to take care of in the mids. Uh, for those who are only paying loose attention, Spencer, what are the mids? Uh, the mid-range levels of the silo. Yeah, mid-range level. Exactly. Um, he like, says there's like, another message. It, it, Mayor wants a meeting with her first thing in the morning. Ask her to acknowledge. She says acknowledge, but I'm not going. <laughs> See, this is what we were joking about the other day, about you know somebody not recognizing that they've got an HR invite for 8 a.m. in the morning. Juliet's response to the mayor saying, I wanted to see you first thing is, eh, I'll talk to him later. It's like, Juliet, that's not actually an option that you could be using right now. It's it's fascinating to me that she feels like she can say, I'll talk to him later. Like Juliet, Juliet regularly does that this episode. They're like, I'll talk to the mayor later. And oh yeah, I'll just force my way into the judge's apartment and grill her. There won't be any repercussions or problems from doing these things. Yeah, I do think that, like, we really liked Juliet's boss in the Down Deep when in Mechanical, like that guy, Knox, I believe his name was. Yeah. We really like Knox for her. But I do think that, like, when you start as a manager giving preferential treatment to high performers, you do them a disservice later in their career because they, they start to expect it from everybody. Yeah. Uh, that, that certainly applies to Juliet when we see this episode. Yeah. So he says, you're going to brush off the mayor the day after the holiday. This is the forgiveness holiday from last episode, which seemed to just be the purge. That's what it looked like. Mm -hmm. um, and he says, everybody's on edge. Juliet says she isn't worried about the mayor the same way. She isn't worried about leaving him alone for a few hours. Fluff the ego. Nice work, Juliet. Fluff up our guy Paul's ego. Tell him I can leave you in charge. I trust you, buddy. Uh, I don't think he's interpreting that way. We, you and I talked about a different thing about, you know, certain bosses just saying, I don't need to see it. You just handle it. I trust you. And how that can be, in, maybe if it's even intended positively, it can just come across of, no, you're just putting all this shit on me. I think that's how Billing sees it. And he straight, no doubt, feels that within 30 minutes from now. Yeah. You know, after we had that conversation, we had that conversation on the podcast about like, if you're, if you're doing a work product and you give it to your supervisor to review or something and he goes, no, nah, you got it. I trust you. Some supervisors are like, yeah, I'm, I'm empowering my employees. I'm being a good manager here. You, you educated me. You helped me. You were like, that can be bad. So I tell you, I actually have changed a little bit about my approach mm. at my, my, my day job. Since we've had that conversation on this podcast, I have 
done exactly what we talked about, or I've tried to, um, said, you know, I don't feel the need to look at it, but if you would like me to, I will. And that just, that, that covers all bases. It gives the person an opportunity to feel like they have some kind of oversight, someone else to support them, while at the same time showing that you respect and value their work. You're accomplishing all goals. Yeah, don't say I don't listen to you. I will acknowledge in this one occasion you listened to me. Yeah, I mean, at a bare minimum, I was able to recite our conversation, so at least I <laughs> no, took I'm, the I'm legitimately impressed. It was almost verbatim. <laughs> Cut to Julia walking in to talk with Gloria, who is saying something in the background. And the attendee says that Gloria suffers from hallucinations. You know, Spencer, if uh, if I shot you up with probably, I don't know, 400 milligrams of Dilaudid every six hours, you, you might see have hallucinations too. It was a big-ass shot that she gave her of whatever the hell that was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I am sure it's either a benzodiazepine or an opioid. It's got to be one or the other. That is a lot. That is a hell of a dose she's giving her. They're making her a drug addict, basically. Um, yeah. Because, like, even though, like, Gloria might not, like, be out on the street, like, ah, give me a hit, give me a hit, her body will get addicted to it. God, are we now suggesting that there's just straight a floor of nothing but poppies? Do they just have a poppy floor like we're freaking Wizard of Oz? Just the opiates are growing. You know, and you know that I'm not, I don't, I don't drink alcohol. I'm not a drug guy, but I might even vote for that though. Because you do, like if somebody has a horrific accident, you have to be, have a way to be able to stop the pain quickly. Like I do, I do think that painkillers serve like an important role if you get like in a bad accident, you break a leg or something like that. So they probably do have to actually grow poppies in this fucking place. (laughs) Uh, I, I I will, I will respect the fact that we hear they have aspirin, that there are values in growing poppies. This does not seem like a medically beneficial use. So you kind of fucked me up earlier. You said with aspirin, all you need is trees. I didn't know aspirin came from trees. Can you tell me about that? Uh, it's tree bark of some kind. Uh, I think it's like willow bark, isn't it? Isn't that where you get aspirin from? I, it's, it's, I, obviously I, I will I double know. check this. Okay. Yeah, that's it. That's it. something I'm learning today. So um, they say it's a symptom of Gloria's condition. And Gloria then starts talking about the water. So it's, it's the, the water they don't want us to know about. Juliet then says, we... Need to go for a walk. I'm going to take Gloria out for a walk. Lady's like, you cannot do that. Judge Meadows has put an order in place to keep Gloria here. Juliet gives a knowing look at that. Uh, It's not literally aspirin we get from tree bark, but the same common compound, salicin, is found in willow bark. And they knew that that as a natural painkiller for years before we basically distilled it and then made it into something like aspirin. Right, so they could could have like a different sort of... So they could have an aspirin there that's probably... Needs more of the active ingredient because it's not as concentrated. Right. They, they could have their natural home remedy, you know, bathtub gin aspirin going. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So cut to um, Billing's wife who shows up to give Paul his lunch. Hey, Spencer, does your uh, does your partner show up at your, your job and do this? I'm sure that you would have this exact reaction. Uh, I would have that exact reaction. She has never... No, that's not true. She, there has been some times that she has actually stopped by to drop me off lunch. More often, she stops by so we can go out to lunch together. I had that wrong. You, you've you've swerved on me. I thought you would be very... Um, not like outwardly, because you're a nice guy, but like I, I thought you'd be a, t- a tad perturbed if somebody bothered you at work. I'm an, Okay, I'll, let's clarify a point that proves you annoyingly correct. If she didn't tell me she was coming... Would be a little annoyed. There it is. See, let's there just clarify. Happy to see her. Just, you know, <laughs> book at least five to seven hours in advance. <laughs> so they have this, like, kind of cute back and forth. She's like, I'd like to report a crime about my husband for getting his lunch. And he's like, 
I'll make sure I get so the little role play here, a little with little window into this marriage. And uh, he uh, comes out and greets her and the baby. They talk a little bit about the baby. Billings' wife says she wanted to meet the sheriff, but obviously Juliet isn't there. I think Spencer, I see with uh, I spy with my little eye mm-hmm. that uh, I don't think she was just there to drop the lunch off. I think she's very interested in Juliet because we, we got that from the conversation he had with her. He walked in, he was shaking, he was struggling with his syndrome, and she wanted to talk about the new boss, right? She's been wanting to talk about Juliet. I think she was there to meet Juliet. I think everything we've seen indicates that she's very protective of her husband, and Juliet is a potential source of all kinds of complications, pressures, and difficulties, just generally, much less not knowing a damn thing about who Juliet is. So, yeah, 100% she was there to spy on her on her loved one's boss. Yeah. So, um... Paul's like, hell if I know where she is, and him and his wife are about to go out for a coffee when somebody comes in and says they need the God. sheriff. Now, stat. Paul is then calling her on the radio, but we see Juliet turn it off. Bad move uh, by Juliet, in my opinion. Maybe the single most egregious, like, actual employee misstep we've seen her make yet. It's like, it's got to rank top three kind of thing of where if you're the boss and you're out, like, you know, not where you're supposed to be anyway... And you hear very clearly an emergency call and your response is to turn off your, in this case, walkie-talkie, but cell phone. You're, I, 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 I'm almost losing words for how much of a faux pas that is. I mean, I, I, I think it's just um, uh, dereliction of duty. It's just like not, Straight just not up. doing your job. I mean, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty straightforward, right? Like if you're the. The sheriff, you're on call, and she turns the radio off so that she can't be on call. So she's just not doing her job. It's indefensible to a degree we've not even seen from her yet. That previously, she could always justify herself to some degree, but the fact that she's just now willfully isolating herself from any other aspects of her duty other than her own personal investigation, that's taking the problems we've already seen to the nth degree. Amanda's admin is telling Juliet that A, Meadows isn't there, and B, she needs an appointment. Juliet says she doesn't need one. She's the sheriff. I don't give a shit about protocol. I'll wait. The admin's like, well, she's not even here. She's home of the cold. Juliet walks off. What did Juliet expect to happen if the like the judge had been there? I think she was going to try to do the same thing she does when she gets in the judge's office later, which is try to force a personality, make her answer questions. Yeah, we see how well that works even when she's at home, much less how that would have gone if she's in the middle of an office surrounded by other judicial officials. Didn't say it was a good idea. It is a Juliet typical idea, but this this her natural tendencies aren't serving her as well for this one. It's, you know, like, look, if the locksmith's not opening the door, she takes the crowbar, she opens it. Like, she's just, it, it's just brute force everything. Bowl in a china shop, which is ironic given how much she cares about maintaining mechanical you know, mechanical soundness otherwise. <laughs> Billings gets there and people are fighting. Someone's yelling, where the hell's the sheriff? Billings makes his way toward the fight. He's trying his best to break it up. Doing a fairly good job, I think. I'm a Billings guy. But he does get popped in the nose. I'm going to give credit to Billings. The man throws down. Like, he just straight throws himself in the middle of a melee to try to break it up. It's, you know, good on you, Billings. You got to be willing to, I think, in that job, right? Like, he can't, you, you can't be a sheriff's deputy and be scared of physical contact. Like, I, I, just, I don't think that's the that, job for you. That applies regardless of what context we're referring to as sheriff's deputy. Certainly applies in the silo from what we've seen, may also extend beyond that. Yeah. 
Other deputies are working on it too. Juliet nowhere to be found. Go to Juliet walking into the sheriff's office sometime later. There are all kinds of people there getting booked, bloodied. She asked Paul what happened. He's like, well, yeah, turn your damn radio off. You wouldn't have to ask. She's like, shit. I, uh, they walk into her office. <laughs> that was very wire with that shit. I appreciate She, Yeah, and Paul, bam, closes the door, raises his voice. He says, the bar on 26 was trashed last night by a group of young kids from the mids. They got too rowdy last night, cut them off. When he showed up this morning, he jumped to his own conclusions. Paul says the people are scared, angry, and they need their sheriff. Billings, I'm not done. He's not done, Spencer. This is a Billings that Juliet's been needing to hear for a while. This is a Billings that will not be silenced. This is in addition to getting an elbow to the face of the cover for you and the mayor turned up asking why you never showed. I lied for you. So this is kind of related to a conversation you had last episode where Juliet was not telling the truth. And Billings did not say, don't do that. He said, tell me when you're going to do that. And here he's trying to give that, he's continuing to try to give that olive branch to her. He, uh, he actually lies for her here. Now, question, by the way. You've been trying to assert from the word go that the rumors about instability in the silo are very overhyped, are oversold, are a process of, you know, a dictatorial control in action trying to put people down and pacify the population. It does seem that Billings is reacting to this like this isn't just a normal Saturday night. He basically does a calling all cars kind of notice as he's charging down 50 whatever else flights of stairs to get to break this up. Is this a suggestion there's a certain degree of more tension and instability in the silo than normal? So I think on the face of it, yes. But a couple things to keep in mind. One is Billings is new to the job, too. So he doesn't really know what a normal Saturday night is. He's been, he's been a deputy for many years before, but not in a position of this level of authority. No, he hasn't been a deputy. He came from judicial. No, he, he got poached by judicial. He was the deputy before that. That wasn't my understanding. I thought he. I thought he was I'll being. I'll double check. I thought he was being inserted um, by judicial when Juliet took over. I didn't think he was. He was still a. Uh, he. I didn't think he was working for the previous sheriff. I thought I thought part of the reason that everybody was like, he'll be good for the job was that he had previously been a deputy before he got stagged by judicial. So he had prior experience. Yeah, uh, I, that wasn't my interpretation. But I think that like there's still an argument to be made that like, OK, well, he he worked in judicial. So maybe he would have known if these types of crimes were going on on a Saturday night or whatever. Right. You, you could still say that, like, he maybe has some visibility to that. But my point being, he's still sure. he's relatively new to this position, this type of thing might rile him up more than it would rile up somebody like, say, a bar, a Marnes, who's seen it before. Sure. Two, Marnes, I would say that, Marnes like, would I view think, it as fun. Yeah, he'd say, well, this is great. Like, people are finally speaking their truth. I, I think that, like, this is where reading the books would probably be helpful because I think that the TV show is limited in how much of this they can show. I think I agree with you that they're trying to show us that there is some instability, but I still... Uh, strongly suspect that it's being constantly overstated by the people in power because it's a it's a mechanism to control people. And if there's a little bit of truth to it, all the better. Like, that's even better for them to make their case. They both can be true. This perfectly could be an example of, this is an example of instability. It is making Billings uncomfortable with the one about that is actually fighting in the streets in a way he's not seen before. And at the same time, that they could go full Fox News news cycle with respect to this and treat this as if this is an active insurrection that's in the process of occurring. Did you take a, a shot at Fox News without me prompting you? I did it for you. That I was fantastic. What a great day I'm having. Thank you I, so much. I, I have to give you occasional gifts so that you're happy with me. She says she's sorry. He's like, we're past that. 
Paul says he wants a reason why she's neglecting her duties. I think he's absolutely right. She was neglecting her duties there. And he says, dishonoring that badge. Strong, strong language. I probably wouldn't have used it, but I see why he did. Uh, Juliet cuts him off and says that George Wilkins was murdered. Just like John, Smarns, Trumbull. Paul's like, uh, you told Judge Meadows that Trumbull jumped off. And Juliet's like, yeah, that's what she wanted to hear. But she obviously doesn't think that he did. Mm -hmm. Juliet says, you want me to be honest with you? I have no idea what I'm doing. I came up here because of George. And the only thing I figured out is that the man I love, he lied and he used me. And I just want to find out why he got killed. And how that is somehow connected to Marnes and Johns and to why Holston went out and to why his wife went out before that. I don't know, Juliet. You're asking some big questions here. Back to George. And you can investigate all those while keeping your damn phone on. But George is the better man right here. That's not George is the better man. Billings is the better man right here in terms of what he remember his name. You just alphaed him right there. Just, just the, dude, the, dude number three. That's all he is to me. Yeah, just some guy. Hey, that guy. If he works uh, really hard, he'll be dude number two. Paul is like, so you're asking me to look the other way while you, and she goes, yes, you're going to erupt. Paul says that George Wilkins' case was closed. That is, until they found a relic in his apartment. So technically, it can be seen as opening to re- they're opening to re-examine George's case. She thanks him. He's like, thank the pact. So he's like, I, I didn't really do you a favor there. I just know the pact, right? But Paul does a Bernard for her right here. He gives her cover. You know, I got a question for you. Why do you think, I mean, we we know that Paul has political juice. Judicial backs him for the job. Mm-hmm. Bernard was relatively close to supporting Billings before he met Juliet. Um. He's the next in line. Juliet is in a tenuous position. Why does he continue to support her? Uh, two reasons occurring in my mind. One, part of the reason I think Judicial wanted him in position is that he is loyal. He is a good lackey. He is a person that will stay loyal to the position and do what superiors tell him to do or do what the pact calls to do. It is the nature of his well-trained character. But, extending beyond that, I think he does believe firmly that Juliet means well and wants to do well and wants to support that even if she is grating on him right now with all of her prickliness i agree with both of that i was ready to argue with you but i agree with both of those thank you um so paul made a promise that uh she would go see the mayor or no paul makes her promise that she'll go see the mayor and she goes i will first thing in the morning so it's, it's still like tomorrow it's like i'll do it to, now. I'll do in the morning like we're we're are we at lunch i don't think we're at lunch go now please go now julian what are you doing this guy just saved like you saved you from probably going to jail like last episode you won't even go see him so she says one more thing you know where meadows lives paul's like sure fuck it whatever yeah uh, okay fine yeah level 15 and uh, she has her breakfast delivered every morning. She likes bacon and eggs. I am 100% with you that I didn't care that much about these details. I knew it was a plot advancement, but I heard bacon and I said, they've got pigs in there. <laughs> like me, it's like, oh, okay. Well, you know, North Carolinians are happy with this particular community they've set up here. Hey, it's in Georgia. It's not that, t- that far off they'd have pigs present. All right. So now we have this scene with Juliet and the stargazer. Uh, Spencer, but, but, you By the way... Here? The, the judge lives on Manager's Row. Is she three houses down from you? Is that how that works? Uh, yeah, that's right. I got relics in my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have shit in my apartment today. I'm in a fucking hotel. You're in a hotel, um, yeah. Uh, but so yes, the Stargazer. The, the Stargazer. Move. What did you think here? Did, did he do it? All right, before I go through it. Now, let's, let me go through it first. Go on. Uh, so Stargazer comes in. Juliet tells him he's on his way when he 
she was comes on her in. Way. He's waiting for her. She's waiting for him. She's waiting for him. She saw his lights in the sky, she says. She says they're now gone. And he's like, they're not gone. They're just hiding. And then he, uh, they talk about mushrooms a little bit. She says just because they're forced to live underground, they shouldn't eat fungus. But there's, what the people want to know. What's your take on mushrooms? I, I have evolved on mushrooms over time. Of where oh. I would. I was particularly, when I was younger, I did not like mushrooms. I found them a weird food that did not seem to add much to the experience. I have come to understand that done correctly, mixed in correctly, made as part of another dish or other flavors added to them, mushrooms can be pretty good. Mushrooms have a lot of potential for how they can be used, and I have come to respect that. They are not my favorite thing. But I will not be that person who's like, oh, I don't eat fungus like that. That whole jag is like, no, it's like, I hate that because I'm like, no, like us being at the apex of all creatures on earth. Like this is a great indication of us being that, which is that we can find food and make food out of all kinds of shit. Like, and yeah, it, it, it's technically a quote fungus, but like the, the fact that we can make food out of it is pretty fucking astonishing. We should give ourselves a pat on the back on that. Not, not, not make jokes about it. Now, part of the reason that I'm coming across as being made, the my level of appreciation of fungus though is so utterly dwarfed by Bridget. Dwar- Bridget's in that category of where she could just be wandering in the florist forest, sees a mushroom, and will be inclined to pick it and to see whether she can eat it at home. That's her level of enjoyment of all mushrooms. I'm not there, but I'm coming around. Yeah, my wife went through a phase with that too. Um, I, I decided to ride it out. Um, and, and she's, she's stopped. She'll, she'll get over it. <laughs> yes. She has stopped for now. I'm sure she'll listen to this podcast and like get like personally offended and like start looking for mushrooms now. So I probably just screwed the whole thing up, but she hasn't for a couple of years been like mushroom picking, but like when she was doing it before, I was like, okay, okay, cool. That's great. I'm glad you're doing that. Uh. What, 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 what are the term for those people? Like mycologist or something like that? You know, those oh, yeah. Those are, oh, hey, I do have a, a an exception to the rule here, though. I have to completely exempt morel mushrooms. I don't know if I know morel mushrooms. Morels are... They're, they're, we, they're, let's take them and let's move them completely out of this conversation because those are fucking delicious. Those things are like great oh. and it's like sauteed with a small amount of butter and they're awesome. Every other mushroom I've had, I'm with, I'm with you. You got to like mix it into the right pasta with the right sauce, right seasoning, right? Yeah, it's got to be, it can't be the star. It, there, there are many foods that you can just pick them out of the ground and wash them and take a bite out of them. I, maybe those <clears throat> mushrooms you're describing fit into that category, but most mushrooms that like, no, not even close. What's the best food that you could do that with for you? For me, it's clearly an apple. <sighs> Probably maybe like a, a carrot. Or, no, I think it'd be a strawberry. Like a straight, just pick, picked, washed oh. strawberry kind of thing? Come mm. on. Shit, you might be right. Strawberries probably are the best. Remember that moment in Last of Us, like what, episode three or something, when they picked that, when the two when the two guys, uh, Bill and I'm, man, we need to rewatch that. Greatest point. love story ever told? Yes, that episode. And they picked the strawberries that they exchanged a gun for, and they had yeah. that little sweet moment. It's like, I would straight have that kind of moment to a wild, fresh little strawberry just picked like that. Yeah, you, you might be right about that. Strawberries might be the best thing that you could just grab from the plant in the end. So Juliet doesn't like the mushrooms. Our guy says he, they're not too bad. So she says, we'll agree to disagree. She asks him what he does when he's not there. He says he's a systems analyst. She's like, you work Frank. in IT? He's like... Bill and Frank. Sorry, I can't remember that now. Bill and Frank, that's right. Thank from, you. From, season, from episode three or four of uh, Last of Us, yeah. 
Um, you know, the cool thing about Last of Us is that when you mm. watch it, it doesn't require, your friends don't require you to read two books to watch it. <laughs> no, just need to play two video games next time. <laughs> you don't have all that fucking homework. Uh, so he says, yeah, I work in IT. And he goes, whatever whatever computer problem you're having, I promise it's not my fault. That is, that is like from the IT department of my company. That's fantastic. Did, did um, you, does, does Juliet have a type? Does she like nerdy IT guys? Is that what she's yeah. into? Yeah, she does. And I, I think that like, it's textbooks opposite of track, right? Because mm-hmm. like a guy who can like fucking fix the generator and like, you know, does 70 push-ups a day and will punch you in the mouth for looking at you sideways. She's got those bases covered. That's not particularly interesting to her. But mm-hmm. like this guy, like caring about the stars, like that's so antithetical to her world. She probably finds that fascinating. It, it has some overlap with, you know, George caring about the relics and the ancient past and the world beyond worlds as he expressed it. Because remember she said to George, I like that you like it. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing here with Stargazer. 100%. And I don't think he's reading the situation wrong. He just doesn't understand the baggage that's coming with it. Yeah, so she picks She picks at it. She's like, did you know Holland before he's mayor? And he's like, well, I fucker was pretty high up. I don't know if I knew him. Um, he once lectured me about the proper protocol for unplugging a toaster in the break room. She cuts him off mid-conversation. He goes, yeah, it sounds like him. Um, so then they see the stars again. Whoop, stars came back out, meaning the clouds moved, but they don't know that. Uh, and he points out some of them again. She's leaning toward him. Did you notice that? She is leaning toward him. She started talking to him and she leaned in to talk to him and stayed there. And he actually did this thing, which was fantastic physical acting because he was like skittish guy near hot girl and he kind uh-huh. of flitched. And then he noticed that she didn't move. And then he sort of like, very awkwardly tried to slide closer. <laughs> it's very funny for our guy. Please, please not. Please stop narrating my experiences in love right there, man. <laughs> I, I loved that. I thought it was charming. I, it was um, authentic. That's what it was. Very, yeah, very realistic. Um, she asked him if they were always there. Like when people lived outside with the stars there. Hey, Juliet. Uh, yep, they were. Just yep. updates that for you. She asked him if he's ever noticed any clue as to what was really like out there other than the stars he's like well no but there was this one time i saw a light move across the sky then disappear our guy saw a shooting star shout out or a satellite yeah it could be a satellite maybe um most likely shooting star though it has that kind of romantic bend to it yeah yeah i mean spacex cannot compare right yeah it'd be interesting if that could be a satellite yeah it'd be interesting to talk to you at the end of the season about that um so he goes into kissing and here is my read on said kiss situation and i would like to know your read please be honest go on expert opinion he leans in to kiss her reading the situation correctly she was giving him the signs she kissed back Mm -hmm. and then she panicked and then just bailed 100 100 percent. that she was reciprocating until she really fucking wasn't until she really suddenly had that moment of realization of what the hell am I doing? I need to get out of here as fast as possible. And if I could make it really damn awkward, I'm going to do that too. And here's what I'd say. Juliet does have some immediate baggage with George. Juliet is going through. <laughs> yeah. She's going through quite a situation currently. She has baggage with her dad, which is unresolved. It's just like yeah, we're piling on here. But I would say this. It doesn't matter when you are trying to date Juliet. You've got to, you're going to have to go through these things. This is 
I, I'm struggling with an example that doesn't like, that isn't like terribly misogynist. I was like, you can't like, like, well, it's like, like traded a dog. Like, I, I, but there is, there's something like you're going to go through pain if you want to date this woman. That's her personality. That's how she rolls. It's never going to be easy, no matter what part of your life you're trying to date her. And you're going to get these situations where like, she gives you all these reads, you read it. She seems to like it and she punches you in the mouth. Like you're just going to get some of that. How many, how many days and or weeks before she goes back to the cafeteria and just, does she act like nothing is wrong or does she confront it when she goes back to the cafeteria? My read on, on the Juliet character is that she will ignore it. She will not go to the cafeteria for a couple of weeks and then she will actually start to miss him. And then she will go back and sort of pretend like nothing happened and then awkwardly address it mid conversation. I'm with you hundred percent right there. Cause she will miss him. Like she was there to see him. Like she wasn't she, there. To she look was at the there stars. before he was. Yeah. She, she likes the guy, right? She was leaning in. She wanted to kiss him. So she'll start to miss him. Well, and like, another, and like another thing to remember is like, she has, she seems to have no friends up there. She, she has no friends and whatever trust she had has been thoroughly abused by everyone she's ever cared about between her father and George. So we're working through a lot of conflicting emotions and difficulties right now when it comes to what she's comfortable expressing to this guy. He's left out there alone. Cut to her looking at the pages of the book, and one of them is an image of the night sky, and it's got stars. Do you think she made that connection? I, I, if she didn't, the show's being willfully misleading to us. I think she made the connection, and I think she was struggling not to tell him in that conversation. Yes, fair, 100%. And she sees a little information about star constellations. I'm sure she wants to run and tell this guy if, if she could, right? And then we pan across the room, and I think they showed us the camera is in the mirror. I think that's what they were showing us, is that, whoop, there's, there's where she's being watched. Which already explained to me that, okay, flowers, mirror, they moved them out of the way so they can watch her. I'm, I was already leaning that way last episode, but now you've confirmed it. And more will you confirm it later. I love, like, you know you how you, know, you have, like, the omniscient narrator? Mm-hmm. I love like the omniscient cameraman. Like I love when, when TV shows do that, when like they would pan the camera to show us something to connect things. Like, Hey, I enjoy that little trick. So got the Juliet walking in the silo, walking in the silo, walking in the silo. She sees some kids dropping these little spinning paper toys. She looks at them, sort of glares at them. Sad music is playing. She takes off walking up. Do you think, what do you think that was? That was a lost childhood situation. Like I never had that. I think that was the implication there is that, yeah, as a result of loss of her mom, loss of her brother, conflicted relationship with her dad and her own life choices, she was kind of forced to grow up way before she should have. We hear Bernard saying, we have a problem and cut to, she did actually start to talk to, to go to uh, meet with Bernard. So she said they're having a conversation with him and he says, they've received, he's received a threat. She's like, I'll fuck that motherfucker up. And she's like, he's like, no, 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 it's not, it's not that sheriff. Sheriff. I know this is not your natural inclination, but I need you to listen. Have a seat. I love that line so much. I, I was kind of surprised by Juliet's reaction. It's that she immediately takes it 100% seriously and is ready to bring out the big guns to protect him. Is that, I think she likes it. I, don't, I mean, I don't my, think they're going out for beers anytime soon, but I think that professionally they're allies. That was my question. Is that, is that, was that purely professional or is she just actually value him as an ally? It's like, you're the mayor. I've got to protect you. Or also you have my back. I have yours. I've worked at my job for 15 years. I've never gone out to a beer or a drink or a dinner or anything with any coworker ever. Not once. Really? 
Never. That's almost hard to do. Yeah, you might you might have some intel into is. my you might have some intel into my particular department. Ask those questions. You you will you will hear how I operate. I do not do that stuff. However, I've got a lot of allies all throughout mm -hmm. the organization, <laughs> and um, I do think like for my I bring this up because my personal experience is like you can have a work ally that you do care for. And like you want to support, like, and, I, and that I'd go to war for, but like we just aren't friends. Like I, it's hard to explain, but we're not we're not buddies. But but I do care about that person in the work uh, workplace. And actually, actually, I shouldn't caveat. I care about that person. We're allies in the workplace. We just have never transferred over to the friendship thing. Same category then between Juliet and Bernard here. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I think so. I think I think this is. My point is, I think this is very genuine when she's saying like I'll fuck that guy up, like whoever's threatening you. I think she does care. And I think that it's possible to have that work friendship, that work ally, that it, you're just not social friends. Mm -hmm. So right. he says, um, the other day, after Sims ex accused you of planting evidence, I was informed that Judge Meadows was not pleased with my intervention on your behalf. That's the quote. <laughs> he sent Sims with a warning that if I were to obstruct her efforts again, her efforts again, that's interesting. So that 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 obstructing evidence thing is presented to the mayor as coming from Meadows, not from Sims. I I I press my doubt button right there. That she would use some contortion of the pack to remove him. Uh, that that sounds more Simsy than Meadowsy, just to me. You know, and I put in my notes here the guts of that woman. Like, I recognize that judicial has their own power structure, not dissimilar from America with the Supreme Court, which I have talked about many times in this podcast, does exactly whatever the fuck they want. They take gifts, they take bribes, they just fuck off and make decisions and run over lawmakers. It's the same kind Except of deal. Andrew Jackson's on the presidential set. But it's fascinating to me that like, there's just no fear of the mayor at all. Like, I, However this pact is written, it's fucked up in some way because there should be some leverage of accountability back going the other way the mayor should be able to do something to judicial if they do, if if this type of intimidation occurs right it it's interesting from what we hear bernard describe a little bit more here i'll be curious to see you go through that but it almost sounds like from his description that meadows has been in a particular extreme case it's almost like a lot of this was run by rules of decorum and meadows is actually now just applying the pact as written which gives her all the power of god in a way that her predecessors didn't maybe use to the same degree or at least not as flagrantly or openly or oh like uh like the previous president when we were all like oh we didn't write any of those rules down and now we can't hold the person to it kind of the same concept right that was kind of the reference i was making yes look at you okay yeah into two political statements in one episode i feel dirty uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, yeah i mean I, at this point i i yeah, if people don't like that, I made that reference, like they cannot listen. But like, uh, I think it, is, I think it is a fair comparison, um, because I, li I like your interpretation there that like maybe Meadows is leveraging the pact. Meadows. I'm using the royal Meadows rather than necessarily literally her. Agreed, but it's 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 a recent thing, right? It's not yes. always been this way, and they are leveraging the pact in a certain way, and that probably informed that comment we got from Bernard to Juliet a few episodes ago, where he's like. You know, you should read that fucking thing because it seems like every other line is like you got to be buddies with the with judicial. That might be like something he's recently frustrated about. Yeah, that may be like, you know, previously we actually could work together and establish some degree of balance. I'm of the impression that Bernard's been in like a position of power for like decades now or at least years. 
Uh, maybe the fact that just Tim Robbins is getting a little bit older. Uh, but I'm with you that it, there seems to be a certain degree of resentment of how much things are now shifting in favor of one group over everybody else. He says that years ago he made a choice to stay out of her way. And I, I, I think this, man, I think you're right, dude, because he says out of her way, not out of judicial, mm-hmm. out of her, which indicates to me that since she's assumed the office, things have gotten a little sideways. Um, but my job in IT isn't any job. I know you think the generator that keeps the silo running. He's very quick to say, that's true. And he's like, yeah, but it's how the power is used. Now, I guess I'm just decided to just alienate every single listener of this episode. But like this con- this was a great metaphor to me of any conversation I have with people who are deeply embedded in the military. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, not just somebody who's like, who was in the military for four years and got out and like, you know, like I'm talking about like the lifers who are inside of it. It's, it's often hard for some of those people, not all of them, but some to get past the fact that like, yeah, but you can't do any of the stuff in the country. If you don't have a country, if you don't have freedom, if you're not being invaded and beat up and take a get, you know, like all that stuff. Right. Sure. But like the, the Bernard argument here to draw the parallel is yeah, but what do you do with the freedom? Like once you've established, okay, you got the power, you've got the power from the generator, you've given us borders, you've given us freedom as a country, then what do you do with it? Like, and that mm-hmm. part is important too. And I think that Juliet honestly has never think of it, thought of it this it, way. It's interesting how effective his explanation here of his point is, because Juliet, like you said, institutionally is immediately just up in arms about the idea that somebody's claiming a job more important than hers, and more important than maintaining the generator. But he doesn't even have to get halfway through this and Juliet is in that kind of quiet, silenced, oh shit, someone's making a valid point here kind of response. Yeah, what does he say that's so good? He goes, no amount of, so if the, the water, watering the crops, transmitting messages, circulating air, all that stuff is run by servers and no amount, if, if the servers are compromised, no amount of power is going to fix it. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like if you've got rampant poverty if you've got you know uh insurrection in the streets you got people who can't you know can't get along with each other you have a poor educational system doesn't matter how much freedom from the outside world that you have as a country you still are living you know in a pretty hectic terrible situation i think that i think the metaphor holds um it it seems like it really knocks juliet back in her heels to even just think about the idea that oh shit can meadows hack the servers to basically control all aspects of life function in the silo which Bernard does not know the answer, which probably even freaks her out more. Yeah, so I don't. It, I took Bernard's comment to mean I don't think so, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think the more concerning part for Juliet is I didn't know that we so much relied on those servers. Like I didn't know that there was that single point of failure. It, or in this that way. so much relies on somebody like Bernard occupying the position. Like you know, Bernard's point is that. I'm purposely trying to keep out of this because I think this is too important to be political. If this gets political, I don't know what what limits there are in that person's power. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, I think it, I think it's interesting because like now you've got Juliet is now probably seeing Bernard through two different lenses. She's like, okay, well he's the mayor and he's helping me out a little bit, you know, and mm-hmm. he's an ally. But I didn't realize that he was also the gateway to like controlling the whole silo. 
it's, it's one of those things of where I don't think Juliet ever expected that she would feel a kindred spirit in Bernard. Maybe until he just kind of just a bit power to her right here and said, hey, you ran a job where you were basically making all this life in the silo, you know, function. I'm doing that more specifically. Nice to meet you finally and have this conversation. Yeah, it's when you establish the baseline, the power, the freedom, the baseline of economic prosperity, right? Mm -hmm. Then what do you do with it? Um, yep. And that's a that's a leap that Juliet has not made. Um, but I, anyway, I think... then she gets all uh, she gets all packed on him. She's, she starts becoming a little, <laughs> a little constitution nerd because she says, uh, Bernard's like, hey, we need to find something to wall Meadows in. Uh, and, and Juliet's like, well, she has something, but I can't discuss it due to ongoing investigations. <laughs> Did, uh, uh, Madam Sheriff, we're talking about right now engaging in a conspiracy to subvert an active organization of the silo. And you want to lecture me about procedure? Yeah. That's what she would like to do right now, yes. Yeah, she would, yeah. See, that's the great part about Juliet, is that, like, Juliet will go, like, she will go punch a guy in the mouth, and then she'll yeah. turn around and she'll be like, nobody can punch people. And straight face, no hint of, no no problems. No problems delivering that message. Mm -mm. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation here between these two. I, I, I have started I to really value anytime Tim Robbins is on screen. I think he's killing this role. And I think the character of Bernard is one of the more interesting characters in the show. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a nice little moment, too, of where he basically acknowledges that Juliet's here for her own purposes. But he throws to the bone of whatever it is you're onto. I hope you get to the bottom of it before Meadows gets rid of you. And it seems like he's very sincere in that regard. Yeah. So cut to Juliet delivering the breakfast. She's got the bacon and eggs. Uh, if, you're, Meadows, if, you're, if you're the judge, would you even let her in? Hey, I got a story for you. So you remember John Edwards? Yes, I met him personally a couple times. Yeah, I met him too. So he... Um, uh, for those that don't know, former senator from North Carolina. Yeah, who ran for president and then ran uh, on a major party mm -hmm. ticket as vice president with John Kerry in 2004. He, mm -hmm. uh, during his presidential campaign in 2004, had a aide who would, of course, travel around the country with him. And would deliver McDonald's breakfast to his door wherever he was staying for the length of the entire campaign. No matter where he was, no matter what he was doing. You'd be in a hotel, you could be on a, an really? RV, whatever. McDonald's breakfast every morning. Would it be the same like breakfast sandwich or something? Or would you take, I, like, don't, I didn't get the menu, but I did hear that detail out of one well, of the I, books. Now I need to know the menu. I want to know what Egg McMuffin that guy was getting every day. Yeah, I was sort of like... Oh, so they are kind of pretentious. <laughs> that sucks. Yes. Yeah. Met, met, having met him twice, yes, they are very pretentious. Yeah, yeah. He yeah, he, he was tough there it, for a period. Um, hmm. I, I feel like he's, he's a little different now. I don't know if you've met him. You haven't seen him recently. <laughs> you lived down there in Florida. He's a little different now. Hmm. Um, so that sort of shocked her. Um, when, I, uh, I, if I were Judge Bennett, I just wouldn't let her in. It's like, no, I'm not letting you in. Go. <laughs> yeah, so um, she uh, it sort of shocks Meadows, right? But uh, mm -hmm. Meadows is like, uh, okay, well, um, you know, basically get the fuck out. And um, Juliet's like, look, I got a question for you. How about this one? Locking up citizens and drugging them against their will. And she just I, opens the door and she's like, fucking A. All right, come on in. So she takes I, the breakfast first. Yeah, priorities. She mutters something about being sick. Meadows says that being sick hasn't stopped Juliet from forcing her way in there and violating her privacy. Ding, 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 ding. I'd like 
a ruling here by our expert Spencer. Is this really would this would this constitute violating somebody's privacy in, a, in, in the U.S. set of laws? Not if you let them in. No, That's I wouldn't think so. About, she seemed to let her in. It's one of those things that we're. If you're dealing with cops that are knocking your door, they will always ask if they can be let into your home. They will always ask if they can search your car. They will always ask. And if you say yes, you are opening the floodgates to whatever they want to to whatever they want to look at and whatever they want to you know observe in the process of doing that. If you're gonna, if a cop knocks on your door, kindly step outside, close your door, and talk to them outside. Yeah, this letting her in thing. I don't know about violating your privacy. She seems to have a Not very a loose understanding of that. Uh, she's throwing around big boy words. Yeah, Julia says, don't worry, you'll get it back as soon as you tell me why you're keeping Gloria Hildebrand captive in medical. A little glib. She was a little glib. A little? Um, At every stage of this conversation, she's being, as I said earlier, tough. a bull in a china shop. Yeah, she was tough. She was tough this conversation. So at first, Meadows doesn't remember Gloria. She has to be reminded who she is. Juliet pushes a little more. She says that the judge is drugging her because she said something to Allison Becker that made her want to go outside. Meadows like, the fuck? She says, yeah, it's in Gloria's file. But in the file, Gloria told Allison that she wasn't the type the silo wanted having children. She says that she wanted to talk to Gloria as part of the ongoing relics investigation, which is obviously super important. We all know that. Which Meadows poo-poos. Juliet says that she just wants to talk to her. Meadows is like, go ahead, I'm not stopping you. Juliet says, yeah, but I can't, because she's all fucked up on drugs, you see. In the middle of all this, Juliet casually drops that she thinks Meadows doesn't really have a cold, and I'd like to pause here for a ruling from you. Spencer, what is going on with Meadows? Because I've got my theory. Uh, Meadows is Meadows is sick, and my natural paranoia is pondering whether she's actually also being poisoned to some degree. Okay, I go the other way. I think Meadows is addicted to pain, uh, cough medicine. Interesting. Codeine addiction of some kind. I think she's basically a drug addict, yeah, and that's that's why she's just having one of the bender day. Um, she doesn't want to be bothered. I, I was going sick, and my natural tendency when I see people being sick when every other person in the position of authority has been killed off in short order is to assume that there's also something nefarious happening there. Yeah, it's it's I'm, I'm in part basing that on how long this cold seems to have lingered. Mm. Um, I'm also basing it on Juliet's read of the situation because she seems to more agree with my, my stance here and also the mayor's reaction to that. I don't think we know right now, but that was my, my read on it. So. Mm -hmm. Juliet then makes this deal, which I wanted to shake her for. She goes, let me talk to Gloria, and I will resign. What? What the fuck? What is that? It's like, I don't you know, know. Is she being serious, or does she think she could back out of this one later? Because I think she's being serious. Then you're selling everybody else down the river with this one, Juliet, I gotta say. It was stupid. It was a real stupid thing to say, I think. Uh, I'm like, what are you? It's what like, the fuck is this? Well, like, you're just gonna. It's, like, it's the quit? category of where it's, it is stupid whether she means it or not. It's like if you're all, if if you mean this, that is moronic. If you don't mean this, you are grabbing a you're grabbing a tiger by the tail. If you think you can walk that walk away from that one later. I did not love it, but anyway, Meadows basically is like, look, I can't, I can't even do this, right? Um, in the process, she threatens to call judicial security. Juliet's like, ah, fuck that. Don't do that shit. I'm giving you a good deal here. And Meadows like, look, it ain't possible. I can't do it. The, I cannot this do is it. She's being held. It's like, I... I thought so many things about Meadows that are all just gone now. It's like, yep. she's not a strong person in any sense of the word. It's like, nope. she's just rolling over at the slightest bit of grilling and revealing this information. Unnecessarily. She doesn't have to go into any of this at all. 
Unless maybe she's feeling a certain degree of the pressure herself right now and is looking for some kindred spirit, to, not kindred spirit, but just somebody to vent it. And that is why I think that they've also given her a drug addiction because they do want to show her as weak, could, as a person be. weak, right? And, and you're saying, who? When you, when you say they, you're meaning, again, the janitors, if, that, if that's what we're calling them. Oh, no, no, no. I, I meant the actual writers of the show here. Like, that they're, <laughs> that they're giving fun. her this this thing to convey to all of us that she's weak um, so that like, you know, like they, we get it. Like she's, she's not the, the central um, decision maker of judicial, right? Uh, every scene we've actually had with her as portrayed her as being more weak than the last. For sure. Yeah. They're, they're constantly trying to, to talk her down. Right. Like, um, and now, and, and that, and now I think the decision to just like, whoop, now you're in Meadows's office and you just see her, you know, it wasn't like Oz behind the curtain now it makes sense, right? Because they were never setting her up to be that. But the king, he is naked. That's basically what we're seeing right now. Yeah, so Judge just shakes her head and goes, they'll never let you. And she takes a drink of something. Judge stops talking then, and Juliet is exasperated. And said, is this how this works? The apartment, the relics, you get to keep them as long as you're quiet? Wow. While you're staying in here, drinking your cold medicine? Meadows barks at that, says she knows no, you don't know anything about me. I need you to get out. Uh, can, we, can we agree that you don't know anything about me is one of the least effective responses to any argument ever? Well, that's why I thought Juliet hit on some truth here with the cold medicine. 100%. Thing because 100%. She, she just freaked out oh, at the, at the reference yeah. of that. Cold, cold yeah. medicine may, may, may be a fair read. I haven't really looked at it that way, but the fact she emphasizes it like twice in this conversation, she's pretty good at detecting weakness or problems. Maybe fall in that category. Yeah. And, and that, you know, I think I'm a hang it on that because, like, if that's true, might be a good thing for Juliet to know and leverage, right? Yeah. Um, but maybe next time don't bring her the bacon and eggs. Maybe next time bring her the coating syrup. <laughs> straight straight VIX for, the, for, for, for feeling for better tomorrow. I don't know. Might be a way to, might be a way to get you what you want. Uh, so then we see a pause in the feed with Sims talking over it. So we back out and uh, he asks about Juliet seeing Hildebrand. Um, then we see Julia has put up something in front of the, one of the cameras uh, in her, I guess, in her apartment. Uh, and Sims hates that. I think it's more flowers. And apparently they're going to send the janitors to deal with that. So there we go. Now we know why it's so snippy. You emphasized earlier that uh, whoever is monitoring these screens does not have a complete w ability to watch all cameras at all times. We're seeing that a lot as this episode goes. They've got cameras everywhere, but they can only watch so many at, so many at one time. Right, yeah, I thought that was a great little addition that they gave us, which was like, <clears throat> they were intentional about the number of screens they were displaying, because it's not enough screens to watch 150 floors or whatever, right? Like, it's maybe 100 screens? Like, that's Every, not enough. And the episode takes pains to show they're not, they're not omnipotent, that they make mistakes, they don't have a complete view, their views can be blocked. This is a... Level of monitoring we did not previously understand, but it is hardly complete or infallible. I thought it was an absolutely, uh, really, I don't know. I just feel like this show, this show has some problems. It's, it's not a perfect show, but like they are pretty detailed about little stuff like that. They want you to be, they want you to do exactly what this podcast is doing, which is to like break down every frame and like care mm -hmm. about the details. That's, that's how they've constructed this show. I hope. I hope they keep that same level of detail in later seasons. One thing I have noticed with shows like this, where they are like, the first season comes in and it's super detail oriented and you're constantly like checking everything on the screen, is that when the 
production schedule of having to push out seasons starts to hit them, it starts to get a little more sloppy. Um, yeah. Different genre, but I think Ted Lasso, like how every single thing in it, Ted Lasso season one was super intentional so and carefully perfect. crafted. Yeah. And I like season two, but it was very different, right? 100%. And season three, I think, took that farther. Yeah, that didn't age well, did it? People didn't like season three. Nope. Not that we've seen. No. All right. Anyway, so Juliet, um, who is waiting, uh, and we hear her dad. There we go. We hear the, the dulcet tones of Sir Jorah Mormont. He asks her. Glenn, if, great to see you. Your accent is growing on me. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he's kind of like. He's like beat us into submission that like, I don't know. That's just the accent he's going to I have. just like Ian Glenn. It's like I'm enjoying whatever role he's in. He's putting on a weird ass accent for part of it. I'm in on Ian Glenn all the time. He asks her if she wants to come in and she does. Her dad says that he transferred to a smaller place when she left and he goes into some sort of apology, but she's clearly struggling with. She says that he kept the, she sees that he kept the toy. That's the plush toy that was her brother's that Juliet kept for a little while that she thought about taking with her to mechanical, but she left on her bed. At, at, the at the encouragement of that guy at recycling that, you know, you can keep one thing and she, like, kept that, I think it was. Yeah, so Juliet cuts right to it, tells him not to worry about it. She says she wants a favor, and then she'll be out of the way. She seems deflated. Um, he he seems deflated. It's like, you know, that is not, I haven't seen you in decades. I'm really obviously visibly excited to see you. I don't want you to, like, leave immediately. You're absolutely Juliet, right, yeah. She was she was deflated, but like I th I do think that like the the immediate reaction was him going, "Hey, that's not what I want." Mm -hmm. um, and there's a patient in long term care. This is Juliet talking to her dad. There's a patient in long term care. I need you to help me get out of there for one to two hours. Juliet goes on to say that the patient is being held against her will, and Juliet needs the drugs to wear off so that she can talk to her. Her dad is like, "God damn, shut up! That is fucking crazy, and you're talking way too loud. They can hear you." <laughs> and she, seriously, it's dangerous, Juliet. Which is an interesting word for him to use, dangerous, because that tells me that he's a little bit more read in about what goes on the silo than most people are. And that's probably a product of his but position. It's several people now are telling her that it's dangerous. She's hearing it from Billings. She's hearing it from the mayor. She's hearing it now from her dad. The variety of people around here are saying, what the fuck are you doing? This is dangerous. There are active threats in this world that you are just willfully not acknowledging. Absolutely. I almost want. I almost wonder that since there was whether the the perfect place for Juliet was down in engineering, because it doesn't seem like they were as actively monitored and controlled down there. Fantastic point. So she says, "Yeah, um, I, I know you wouldn't have come through." And I just want to stop here. Let's just do it one time. She, we're going to get many of these moments through the rest of the recap, mm -hmm. where, and I am a. I am a gold medal holder. I am a blue ribbon holder in the Juliet fan club. Oh, yeah. Top donation level. She's fucking tough talking to her dad, right? I don't know what her dad did. I don't fully understand that yet. And they just hinted at this episode. But just purely from what I've seen, other than him being a somewhat, you know, distant, negligent dad after her mom died, she is being rough on the dude here at every available opportunity really really hard on him and like a lot of these comments and you know i think that like some people do this when they're around family they haven't seen for a while juliet can be immature but she is being epically immature i mean it's epic levels of immature um here like this this comment yeah i should have known you would come through she sounds like she's nine 
So um, you just, I haven't seen you, I think, we're, we're betting he hasn't seen her in 20 years, or at least 10 or 15 years. And the first thing she does is, is hey, I want you to do something illegal with me. And him expressing just one word, I think that's kind of dangerous, like, oh, fuck you then. And walking out, it's like, well, nice to see you too, dear. Yeah, and he stops her. And he's like, whoa, 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 I, didn't, I wasn't saying no. I was just telling you that, like, we got some problems here, right? So cut to him walking to, his, to an office. And I, <laughs> I love Juliet. But I was not super crazy about the fact that she got him to do this. I, I feel like she's putting him at a lot of risk. And I'm not sure, like, the risk calculation, like, the importance of talking to Gloria, like, it doesn't it doesn't balance for me. Like, I, what I, does she I, think she's going to get out of this conversation with Gloria? I don't get it at all. I don't know why she is so obsessed or focused on Gloria right now, other than that it's just another data point and she's pulling out whatever she can. But she is, she is doing, like, you know, season finale levels of committing to this particular thread, Without much to back it up. Now, it pays the hell off. But I don't know why she knows that or knows to expect that. Neither do I. She's, yeah, it's, I don't know. It just feels like an unnecessary level of risk for something that's not. Uh, it would feel like you need to do this at a Hail Mary and this doesn't feel like a Hail Mary. I feel like every move Juliet's making this episode is oh, you're operating under a, like, you assume that you're going to get murdered on Tuesday and trying to get everything done as fast as possible regardless of the consequences. She is not playing a repeated round game right now in terms of how she's playing this. No, she isn't. So, anyway, he sees somebody there when he walks into the office and cooks up some story about needing aspirin. Gotten from the trees on level 34. Yeah, as we've, we've established how that's being made. She leaves because he kind of, like, I think he uses maybe past performance here right like he's he basically relies on her trust in him for her not to log what he's doing and kind of just let him linger yeah uh he checks the medicine um that gloria is getting because he goes, in, goes into gloria's room he then goes to her bed and asks her if she can hear him he says that they are going for a walk he says he's taking her to the nursery and it's that very notable her. very notable in these initial scenes before she i'd say quote unquote wakes up that he clearly does not expect there to be anything wrong between the two of them. Don't see any signs that he expects her to in any way react negatively to him or his presence. Agreed. So he says he's taking her to the nursery. That excites her, and he takes her out. And I question is, wouldn't they have cameras all over? But then they start to address that later, right? But they so he they dodges... do. They just can't watch everything and aren't able to quickly like, switch between perfectly, it seems. He dodges an orderly who comes in and gets her out of there. We see Juliet uh, waiting at the nursery. Uh, you can kind, hear kind it like in her poking a baby kind of thing. Which is yeah, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> something to do. Like, uh, you can hear in her thing? dad's voice that he's terrified, right? Yes. So um, he it tries gets, to tell her to go ahead. Yeah, gets her in. Brings in Gloria, and it's like, okay, well, we kind of have to, like, wait now, because you don't just, like, press a button and turn off sedatives. Yeah, he tries to tell her, take, take a step back and take a deep breath, and she's like, that's never worked. It won't work now. And I just put in my notes, yeah, I believe it. I believe it's never worked, and I believe it won't work now. But this is like, Juliet is finding every available opportunity to be mad at her dad when he's not saying that, like, extreme of things. He, like, pointed out that what she was proposing was illegal and dangerous, 
and is now describing how sedatives work. It's like... Yeah. I mean, Gloria's got a sedative in her. Yeah. And he's going to give her probably a steroid, right, to, to jack her heart rate, get her get her rolling again. Which, as um, they emphasize, can have, re- can have side effects and issues from just doing that right now. Yeah. Juliet pushes the issue and says they need to figure out why they are doing this to her. Cut to her dad giving... Gloria some medicine and we wake Gloria starts to wake up but guess what she's fucked up she's having a seizure not a surprise if anything there might be a certain degree of withdrawal issue going on here from this sudden just removing of sedatives from her veins yeah it probably wouldn't be like a physical withdrawal because she did she'd had the dose earlier but it might be like a mental reaction to not being on it Correct. anymore yeah um and we got to Juliet's kid and apparently her brother had had seizures and her dad says this to her it's okay, you know what to do. Harkening back to when she took care of her brother when her brother was having seizures 30 years Which ago. Maybe the single most effective moment he's had with her of any we've seen previously on the show. Because, I mean, it, it's it's just a well-played move dealing with someone in a stressful situation to give them that reassurance and tie it into their past experience. And it particularly works well for her right there. Yeah, cut the Sims who is walking up some door and he opens it it's a janitorial door it's the janitor door that we heard so much about before the janitor's son that episode mm-hmm. and then he opens the door to another room and which has a staircase and he walks down puts in a code and then there is the wall of tv so there we go we get the reveal of where the wall of TVs is within the silo it's in the janitor closet as we could have reasonably expected at this point they tell him that they lost Juliet when she went to medical. Sims loves that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Barks about there being blind spots in medical. Apparently, there's a fairly sizable area in medical that is dark. Sims hates that. He says, get a map, start checking for what we're missing. And really interesting thing there, Juliet's dad calls that out. Says something along the lines of, I don't know why, but they don't listen here. When he's talking yep. about in the nursery with the babies. Now, we know that he has been tasked with pretending to move the birth control for people who are on some sort of secret list right we, we hear that later yeah so mike i wonder if he knows that they don't listen in certain areas because he's had some conversations about that which he knew if they heard he'd be hear about right it could have been a way for him to test that right very so, possible yeah while they're waiting for gloria to level out the dad Tries to give Juliet some compliment. He says the badge looks good on her. He tries to give her a compliment. He's like, well, I'll be sure for a while. Um, he asks what that's about. And she goes, why would I tell you? Well, she's just mean. She's straight mean. We don't, I feel like we're missing something here. I mean, it's like, well, not, I know we're missing something here. Because we have a conversation later about her mom between the two of them. Don't know what it is yet, but I... Juliet usually has cause, or to at least be this level of dick with people, at least I expect that about her character, and I'm waiting to find out what that cause is, because I've not seen it yet. I worry that they think they've showed you. I've not seen it. Uh, what I've seen is nothing. What, what I mean, and I actually mean that, what I've seen is him not being more supportive, him maintaining distance, maybe him just letting her go the way she wanted, but he, maybe it's not what she wanted from him. That's what I've seen is more the absence of relationship between the two rather than straight up negative things. We got, we've gotten some hints this episode that those things may actually be there, but I'm waiting for that shoe to drop because this is, she's going at an 11 at a guy that she's not seen in a long damn time. 
I worry that those things that you just said, like, oh, I saw all those, but that's not enough. I worry that they think that that they've told you why she's upset. And I think that if they if they if that's what the show is thinking, I think it will result in one of two things. You'll either be just disappointed with the show or and or you'll just hate Juliet more because it's more it's just more unreasonable that she's this angry at him. But I th- I think they think they've told you. I would be a little disappointed if there isn't a grid, if there isn't something more here, because Juliet can be difficult with other people, but she's usually not just straight mean. But at every available opportunity here, she is not just poking her dad, but stabbing him. Says he needs a coffee, so he goes to get one. He does offer to bring her one. Gloria wakes up while he's gone, and Juliet walks up to talk to her. Juliet starts asking her questions, and... I... <laughs> What do you think of Juliet's bedside banner here? Not great. Not great. <laughs> it's not good. Just it's not great. This not woman great. is emerging into consciousness from who knows how many years of it being suppressed. And Juliet's like, here's the list of things I need from you. And I'm going to actually just continue to ask you with an, ingre- an increasingly aggressive tone until you tell me. I mean, she just fucking woke up from uh, possibly years? like months, years of being sedated. She just had a surgery or a, a seizure. And Juliet's like, hey, bitch, hey, bitch, wake up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay, I, can I, Juliet, I can picture Juliet literally just starting the conversation with, hey, bitch. Just like, start <laughs> there. Like, God damn, Juliet. So, and her dad, uh, being a professional, recognizes that Juliet's not doing this super effectively. So he walks in and what does he do? He checks her heart. And I love that, that he did that because my theory here is that, yeah, he probably needed to check her heart because he gave her a steroid and he's wanting to see it didn't get her too jacked. But I also think that that conveys to Gloria, I've got this under control. Like, look, I'm checking you. I'm making sure everything's okay. You can calm down. He's actually employing bedside manner. The problem is that two of them have history that I don't even think he remembers. Mm -mm. So she recognizes him and says, what do you want from me? And then she turns to Juliet and says, he worked for them. It was him. He was my doctor. You know it was you. Juliet's like, hey, what the fuck, dad? Like, she, of course, she's like ready to believe any negative thing about her father. And Gloria's like, look, he's the one who wouldn't let me have a baby. Juliet then kicks her father out of the room and says that they are drugging her to make her forget. She says, they want you to forget. And in the middle of a freak out, um, she goes, I want to forget. I, I'm, I'm cool with that. Let me forget. Uh, <laughs> says... Not not the reaction Juliet wants right here, right now. She says, I don't trust you. And Juliet then pulls out the book, the Georgia book. And the lady gets excited. And that, that is the common there. ground. That, that was actually a good move from Juliet, right? Because she explains she got it from George. And George said he got it from her. Gloria says that George's mother was one of us. Who might that be? I don't know you. I don't know what you want. Have you heard of the Flame Keepers? She says they are they erased us that they've been trying ever since the rebellion that's when they put something in the water so the memories would fade what uh, eh? Wait, huh? eh? I'm, again what level of pharmaceutical manufacturing do they have in the silo they put something in the water so that the memories would fade she says that they wanted everyone to forget the past what, juliet asked what city 17 is this and Gloria says that they are the people who fought back, who kept things like this book to keep their memories alive. Gloria admits she was one of the flame keepers. And so they put our flame out. Gloria says they wanted the flame keepers to die off and they weren't allowed to have children. 
They said they were taking out our birth control, but that was a lie. And we saw that in episode one. She says her husband was a flame keeper and he wanted kids and he could never have them with her. So she pushed him away. Later, she saw him and he pretended not to know her. We're, so, going, very, we're going very canticle for Leibowitz here and I'm, I'm appreciating that. I wasn't expecting this level of conspiracy, but I'm trying to play catch up as we go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that's the whole point of this Gloria conversation is that you're just getting this, like, data dump, right? And you're, we're all having to catch up, Juliet included. So she gave her most treasured relic to the last flamekeeper she knew. Her name was Anne. She died not long after that. Her poor little boy had no one. Poor little boy being George. Juliet asked when the last time she saw George, but Gloria says she lost track of George. How is he? She could see it on Juliet's face. And she just says, when? Juliet says, last year he fell off the stairs. It wasn't an accident. So these two are kind of connecting here. I think that Gloria wants to trust someone, but obviously it's not, mm-hmm. you know, not, mm-hmm. she's not been given a lot of positive reinforcement in that area recently. She says they might be giving her the drugs, but at least she can escape the water. They called it the ocean. I've pictured myself so many times, but I'll never know what it sounded like, how it smelled. Can I hold it? Some with the book. And then Juliet, um, oh, no, no, that's the book. Um, Juliet takes baby. a baby and lets Gloria hold a baby. That's right. Gloria then goes on to mention Hannah Nichols, which is Juliet's fa- uh, mother. Did the you know her? The number of people now that are referencing Hannah Nichols. Like, when is that shoe going to drop when we find out why Hannah Nichols was so damn important? We get a little bit of it here. Gloria says, um, no, I heard about Anne. She was George's, George's mother was helping Juliet's mother. So George's, George's mother was helping Anne with some sort of magnifying device, which we know is against the pact. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always really surprised that they let a woman like Hannah Nichols have children. Gloria says that Juliet's mom had the same curiosity. It's the one thing they could never breed out of us. And like, I hate to say this, but like how Juliet has turned out is probably more reinforcement for whoever they are <laughs> to continue this practice. Like, this is a case study in why we need to engage in a more aggressive breeding scheme. Just straight up. Let's move on to straight euthanasia because clearly our efforts have not worked if someone like Juliet has been produced. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that maybe Anne was on the lo- Anne was on the line of being able to have children, right? If they were going to let her have children or not, and she did, and then all of a sudden they produced like you know the fucking George Washington to the you know King of England, <laughs> you know, it's like the leader of the rebellion here. Yeah. So um, when I, she says, Gloria says, when I heard something happened to her, Anne. It really felt like we'd lost one of our own. Pan out to them talking. Someone is watching. So I think that we get the impression that it might have been the dad maybe who was watching because we cut right to the dad. Juliet says that she's taking her back. Her dad pushes back on that, says that's not safe. Juliet scoffs at him and tells her, um, tells him, uh, well, what is safe? Where, where is, is there anywhere safe? And um, he says, I would never put you in danger. Um and this is what the dad said to Juliet. And Juliet says, mm. but you trick your patients into believing their birth control had been removed. So they have this conversation. Which is providing confirmation that apparently every doctor, from the one that we saw treating Allison back, back in episode one or whatever else, to now seeing her dead, has been at some point called upon to work down a set list of people that are just not going to be allowed to reproduce. Now, he tries to cover it, saying he didn't know the exact reasons, that it was just, they were told him that it was part of just like a population control scheme, and a few people just had to be, you know, randomly screwed over with respect to keeping the population levels down. But Julia kind of, I don't know if she's like, 
she pretty much calls bullshit on that of where you accepted that as an explanation and didn't look any deeper into this. And I think the answer to that is, yeah, I did. I was scared. Like, I mean, yeah. I, I think that Juliet makes the mistake that a lot of really high performing people make. And that is that they assume that everybody else can perform at their level. Like Juliet is able to deal with high levels of stress, high levels of pressure and immediate danger to her person and continue pushing forward with whatever quest she's on. Not everybody's built that way, Juliet. Like, your dad was scared. So yeah, he just did what they said because he wanted to stay alive. The vast majority of people, their only desires are to feel warm, comfortable, and safe and not under threat. They don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to be a revolutionary. They don't want to lead a charge into the gauntlet. And I think Juliet just has no capability of understanding just how the broader majority of humanity in any context would prefer to think and operate. And he says, I know you think I betrayed mom. And I think this is starting to get, to, to, there might be a little more meat on the bone what? for Spencer. It's like, what? It's like, is this just like, is there actually going to be an actual betrayal here? Or is there just, you know, mom committed suicide and I'm blaming you for that? I don't know yet, but this is at least giving me a kernel that there is some, you know, un uncovered aspect of their relationship. Still covered she, aspect of their relationship. She tells him not to speak of her. And she's like, credit, credit to the actress. She's visibly trembling when she says that. She's so angry. Clearly, she wasn't the only one you betrayed, is a line that Juliet delivers to her father. Juliet storms off. Ugh. It's not, it's not the best look for my best friend, uh, my BFF, Juliet. <laughs> She's pretty tough here in this scene. I said throughout the entire episode, she is being what she would view as necessarily difficult, but it, we can see the episode is emphasizing other people's perspectives of how hard it would be to interact with somebody like Juliet on a regular basis. Good as her motivations are, noble as her quest may be, hopeful as we are that she uncovers some of these things, on a day-to-day -day basis, she's a pill. That's why we love her, though, right? <laughs> I enjoy her as a character. She is a delightful anti-hero. An interesting category of where I feel like some shows are not willing to go as far in the anti-hero scale as they do with Juliet, of where, oh no, she could also just be straight unpleasant to people in a way the show isn't just trying to cover up or justify. She's just a problem person in many ways. But she's a necessary one for the sake of the plot, and that's a heroic one in many ways, too. I like her. I'm charmed by her, obviously, but I also recognize her faults. And I would be, if I was friends with her or something, I would be very, um, I'd be very straight up about her limitations. Like I would, I, I would probably be that person in Juliet's life being like, yeah, you probably don't need to do that. Like you we probably don't need to deal with X, Y, Z. Like that, that we probably shouldn't send you on that deal, Juliet, because you're, you know, you're probably just going to, like, yell at the person and tell them they're stupid. Would she be in the category of friends where you provide advanced warnings to other friends when you're introducing her? You know, I don't, that's always hard because it's like you feel like the impulse to do that. But then you're like, I, I don't know. I, I, you're I have, stigmatizing the person. And I'd like you to sit down and I don't want to shock you, Spencer. I want to oh, make sure you've on. had some calories today so you don't faint. I can be a bit of a social director at times. Oh, do tell. <laughs> so I've been trying to get out of that. I've been doing a lot of work on myself. And so, like, I probably wouldn't have, like, been like, hey, she does this X, Y, Z. But I probably would be like, um, I don't know. Let's say we all, let's say Juliet comes with us to Dragon Con. And let's say we get our hotel rooms and they suck. I would not send her down to talk to the hotel manager. <laughs> That's a great way to get some spit in your t in your room service later. 
yeah, it's just like I, that's probably not your job. Like, like let's send Spencer down for that. Like that'd be way better. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, so cut to the screens. They see Juliet with Gloria. They hear Juliet getting confronted by some orderlies, and she has this lie that how Gloria Gloria wandered off, and Juliet she does found it like her. a Chinese fire drill of where she makes it their problem. Like, yeah, she's like, yeah, yeah. She, she, if you guys would just do your damn job. It's like, I had to rescue this woman for your incompetence. I'm taking her back home. Stay the fuck out of my, out of my way. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Uh, so, uh, Sims is upset because the guy apparently told him, Diego told him that Julia didn't go back to Hildebrand, and, and she did. And uh, how the hell do you explain that, Sims yells. And Sims is getting more and more upset, tells him to find out where they went, where they came from, and stay on them. Damn it. You know, increasingly, you ever hear the Bill Burr joke? Is a fantastic joke where he said that he he just kind of walks out on 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 stage and goes, "Yeah, I'm not too impressed with Steve Chops." Everybody's like, "What?" I, I love that skit that he did there. And he's like, "Yeah, I just think that he just saw a wall of CDs and a and a wallet, and he was like, put that in there, and like, and he just screamed it and left, and like that's what his that was his job. He didn't really do the thing. Increasingly, I'm getting those vibes from Sims. Or he just sort of stands there and like stomps his." You know, foot and goes, I do X, Y, Z. But he's like, okay, like anybody can lose their temper and just yell. Like, that's not super impressive, is it? Yeah. I always want to assume that Common is like just fully in command of every situation just because he has that kind of bearing about him in every acting role that he's in. But increasingly, they're showing Sims kind of a little unhinged, or at least just not actually that great under pressure. I mean, I personally really enjoy Sims because he they have made him more human than they had to. They could have made him the, like, the presentation of Judicial in episode one, I was bored with. The sort of, like, Matrix, like, all-in leather who just show up and are all-knowing. But the Judge Meadows who's addicted to cough syrup, the Sims who loses his temper, who had a, you know, who came from poverty, who has a kid that he really cares about, like, that's a Judicial I'm interested in. The, the Raiders that they send that are wearing catcher's masks, apparently they don't have full, like, full plate, like, full plate plastic to stare through like there, there, there's a flawed collection of, of villains we've got on this show yeah we really do and i think that like while juliet has a lot of characteristics of a hero she does border into villain at times right she 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 can be a problem for us too because like she does things and you're like holy fucking hell like what are you doing am i really rooting for this person yeah i feel like it's billings's job to call her out on her shit at least once an episode now because yeah somebody needs to yeah i agree uh, so Gloria then says she wants to walk back to her bed. And I, I love that, right? Um, because she probably hasn't walked in a long time. Um, she may not be able to ever again. Sad look on her face. Like she's going back to prison, basically. And she says, can I see it one more time? So Gloria looks at the picture of the ocean one more time. She says, you keep it safe. Julia says, I will. Gloria, no- Gloria notices the flowers are gone. She remembers that Sheriff Holston was there. And then I immediately started thinking about the, the handwritten note that he had that said, percent double the too. flowers in the mirror. That, that was my pause. I've told you before, but my pause and pace moments in each episode of where just something rattles me that much, I got to kind of process it for a second. But that sudden realization of, oh shit, he's been messaging about the damn flowers the entirety of the time we've known him, basically. That's it. And then, and then they, they, they do the flashback with that note too to actually connect us. But I, I was thinking about it maybe about 30 seconds before they did that. Mm-hmm. Juliet uh, then goes up to the mirror and looks into it, clearly thinking. Back to her house, she looks at the mirror. Then we see the flashback to the sign, uh, the handwritten note from Holston. 
Mm. He's also connecting the video recorder to this. She's thinking about the video recorder too. That that is an impressive jump right there because she did not even know what the hell that thing was when she was interacting with it. But she's coming around fast. Tense music is playing. I would I would describe it as tense. Um, <laughs> and uh, Juliet looks around S- and says, "Sims is sending in the Raiders. Time is of the essence." Well, not quite yet. Because she says, I think they can see us through the mirror. That's why Holston put the flowers there. Juliet goes on to explain that they have these devices, like sensors outside, and I think they're watching us. She whispers to Ju- to Gloria, asking what she can remember about Holston's visit. Juliet looks around, then tries to play it cool, goes over to the mirror, Spencer, mm-hmm. and puts a blanket over it. And this was the <sighs> dumbest fucking thing, in my opinion, that she did the whole episode. She literally could have just had her back to him, and that would have been very effective right there. There's blocking that she could have done that would have had some measure of plausible deniability. This one is just, okay, I'm admitting out loud that I know you exist. I'm asking you to come murder me now. I felt like that was absolutely stupid. Is it uncharacteristically so, or is this, again, just Juliet's confronting the problem in front of her face and worrying about other problems later? How dare you? How dare you ask me a question where I'm forced to say something bad about Juliet? <laughs> yes, Go of course. On. It's, yeah, it's in it's in character, unfortunately. Yes. But like it, <laughs> it was really frustrating because I was like, and she seemed to know it because as soon as she did it, she's like, "Oh yeah, they're uh fucking, they're gonna be coming for me now," and you know, uh, Gloria tries to continue talking to her. And telling her, like, you're the last one. You're the last one. And Julia's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. And she does. She eventually does get the hell out of there right before these, like, enforcers come in. And my question to you about the enforcers are, are those guys just standing around in gear all the time? I don't know. They didn't seem to have to get dressed. We'd never heard. Valid point. They're there quick in full armor. B, we'd never heard of these guys before, right? No. Like, this Raiders, it's like, is this their sole job is just to be at Sims beck and call when he wants to say send in the Raiders? I think so. It was very strange, right? That 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 seems like a waste of resources to have these guys just dedicated to that one time in a seven episode period that we're seeing them thrown into the situation. Completely agree. I, I that felt a little unrealistic to me, but whatever. It felt felt more for the sake of drama than necessarily the sake of realism right now. It also just seems rather coarse that they would, you know, send in an armed squad right now in the middle of a hospital. People are going to notice them running down down the streets. Of course, they also maybe murdered the mayor and the deputy and all kinds of other people at this point. So coarse is kind of their watchword at this point. Back at her house, she looks at the mirror. Double the flowers in front of the mirror. Um... So then um, we see Sims or the, the, the people come in and um, ask Julia, uh, Gloria where Juliet is, right? Like where, where she go or whatever. Um, Juliet's already made her exit. Yeah. So then we get Gloria um, – I, I do want to go back a little bit because I feel like I, okay. I went over it. I went over it too fast because Gloria tells Juliet this line, which is, I think we need to nominate for the best line of the episode. You were the last flame keeper now. You didn't ask for it. It's not fair. It's the way it is. It's down to you. 
Juliet doesn't love this. She keeps going, no, no, no. And then finally, Gloria says, well, what would your mother do? And then she goes, do you know why she killed herself? So bam, there we go. Hell of a line to end on from that character. They come in. Gloria's there alone. Where is she? Pop! End of episode. Spencer? They've been teasing what happened to her mom since episode, I don't even know, like four at this point. I'm waiting for the, waiting to find out because it would explain a lot that is still lingering about the margins around this world. You and I agree. Let's go to best line of the episode. I have some nominees for you if you'd like to hear. What? You've got some nominees for me. Excited. Just, just a few. Just a few. Uh, Bill, Billings confronting Juliet early on. I lied for you. Uh, well, okay, I'm sorry. We're past that. You have to come clean right now. I want a reason why you are neglecting your duties and dishonoring your badge. Otherwise, I have no choice. Good on you, Paul. I'm rough on you throughout the course of this series, but it was a necessary confrontation given how much crap he's willing to eat for Juliet as part of his job. A uh, line that made me laugh early from Bernard Juliet. Uh, Sheriff, I know it's not your inclination, but I need you to listen. <laughs> I enjoyed that one. Well said, Bernard. Uh, let's see here. Uh, this was actually, a, 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 I thought, a, a funny line from the judge going to Juliet. But, oh, so not satisfied with Sheriff, a post you are not qualified to fill. You're now diagnosing people. It's like, that was the chair. That was the... the Maybe the the uh, judge's only like you know effective zinger in the course of the entire show so far. So I'll give her that. Doesn't work, but I'll give her that one. Uh, from Juliet back at Meadows, is this how it works? The apartment, the relics, you get to keep them as long as you're quiet. I felt like that was a revealing line for both Juliet and the audience about how the public positions of authority work when it comes to the silo. She should also be thinking what happens to public positions of authority when they move outside of those bounds, as we've seen previously. But I don't think Juliet's gotten there yet. A uh, line from Gloria. Have you heard of the Flame Keepers? Um, followed up by several Flame Keeper-related lines. Where they were, boy, I don't understand. Who were the Flame Keepers? The people who fought back, who kept things, like this book, to keep their memories alive. Are you one of them? Yes, I was. Until they put out our flame. They put our flame out. And then the closing line that you said, you're the last flamekeeper now. No, you didn't ask for it. It's not fair, but it's the way it is. It's down to you. If you let it die, the truth dies too. Uh, what, your, uh, what would your mother want? I wish I could ask her, but I can't. No, you can't. But do you know why she killed herself? Very mm. effective ending line that senses the next episode of this show. All right. Best line of the episode, episode seven, is You were the last flamekeeper now, you didn't ask for it. It's not fair. It's the way it mm-hmm. is, it's down to you. It had to be had to be because I felt like that's the setup for the last bit of the season, right? Hundred percent. Absolutely completely the other way. Okay, my friend. Let's jump to let's do an award. Let's award somebody Silo Citizen of the Week. We've been negative all episode. I've been trashing my girl Juliet left and right. I've been alienating fans with political comments and dismissing the military and doing all kinds of negative things let's be positive let's award a positive award today who did the best job i feel like i'm at a broken record from this but i think it's like a competition between billings and bernard once again uh bernard I, bernard was in it for 12 seconds bernard was in it for 12 seconds and revealed that he's basically been the sole person maintaining any resemblance of a balancing of powers in the, in the branches of government while maintaining some level of independent 
server control in a way that is highly necessary and that Julia hadn't even pondered. Like, we're finding out that behind the scenes, Bernard has been the greatest silo citizen that one can find. Or at least that's how he was representing himself. So I think Alki should at least get a nomination in that regard. Well, I like my guy Bernard. Big fan. Uh, and I, but, I agree with you that like he has had we what well, we it's been a it was a reveal of his stature and power. So I like that. Uh, meanwhile, um, I feel like the, for actual winners, it's gonna be a competition between, in my mind, Billings and Juliet for different but related reasons, given how much they're actively supporting each other. Okay, well, if you had to, you had to give one, you had to give it to one who. Uh, for reasons of a more strict definition of silo citizen, I'm going to go with Billings. The man's adhering to finding a way to make the code work while also trying to accomplish good. At the same time, he's physically inserting himself to break up bar fights because it's his job to do so. That's citizen work right there, and he's wielding it well. Juliet, meanwhile, is doing some good things, but she's doing so unnecessarily coarsely from citizenship standards in a way that I think is going to cause long-term problems for short-term benefits. Interesting. You know, you um, you took a particular definition of silo citizen, which is who is actually doing the best job for the silo. Probably the right read, given that phrasing. But I'd like to take a slightly different one. How about just the character who stretched themselves the most, the character I'm most proud of? And I'm giving that to Juliet's dad. Interesting. Because he put himself in harm's way, and he is acu- seemingly acutely aware of the harm, and he did More so, so in, a, in, a, in a yeah, in an effect. It, because he, he, I think first and foremost, he loves his daughter and wants to repair that relationship. The second, and I was really hard on him earlier in the season, but second, I also think reason. that he, he seems to have this inherent faith in his daughter's work like her ability to do the job. Like he, he told her, like, I think you'd be a great sheriff. Like, I think you're doing a good job. Like, and he, he seems to have bought, excuse me, have bought into her just saying, and she gave him nothing on this, by the way. And this would, by the way, folks, this would not work with Spencer in a million years. If you run up in Spencer's house and you're like, Spencer, I need you to break the law. Cause I said, so Spencer's going to be like, Hey, how about you fucking tell me a little bit more why I need to do that. <laughs> there, there would even be the little chuckle that he just gave right there before I said it too. Yeah, but he just trusts her inherently, which I, um, I don't know. I I like that about him because I also think that Juliet is trustworthy in these types of situations. Um, I don't know. I I liked how he stretched himself. I was proud of the dad. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I'm I'm still going to pick my choices, but I understand yours. No, no, no. I think that's great that we, because we we took the two different definitions of like what silo citizen of the week means. Because I think you're right. If you're talking about who had the, who who did the best work for the silo. It might be might be Billings, um, but Juliet's up there too. All right, now let's go to let's be negative. Let's say who had the worst week. <laughs> um, hmm, Sims maybe. Sims is continuing a rough run here. You put all those CDs into that thing. Do it <laughs> yes. now. It's what he's doing. It's a horrible management style. It's awful. It's no good. I'm gonna say the judge. Had the worst week. Judge is a non-entity to me at this point. I don't even want to rank her. I mean, yeah, but like, think about that. Think about what you just said. The judge is a non-entity to me. Wow. What they've done with that character compared to what we thought two episodes ago. Yep. 
she, she, I, I view her as utterly powerless and not even like a, an effective, like, you know, ma- mask by which the real power operates behind. Yeah, dude, that that's a really fall from grace for the judge. And I, I think as we started get, breaking it down, um, I've heard some fans say that we like break down the episodes too much, but like, I think there are some value and actually going line by line for this exact situation, which is, I think we teased out they might have been trying to tell us that the judge just just does sit there and get loaded and is it is more of a a figurehead non-entity like you said than mm-hmm. we would have otherwise thought so um yeah big big changes in that character i'm going to give her the i'm going to give her the big loser of the week i'm going to give you that one that's a, that's a fair point that we if you if you want to talk about just an almighty collapse from a perception of power i don't think anyone's gone as far as the judge has yeah all right so our last bit is about theories what theories have you brought to the podcast this week or questions it's just uh, i'm still i'm waiting for where the power lies i'm waiting for it because every time we get like an indication of oh the power lies there oh the power lies there the show works to subvert it right away it's like is there actually a position of power happening here or the best we're ever going to get is sims and some cloak and dagger element of judicial is the one that's running this shit because this is no longer just monitoring people. If they're straight up engaging in breeding control, if they're putting something in the water so that we forget, if they're diligently working to remove curiosity from the community while suppressing organizations that ever remember the past, that's not just four people in an office with cameras. That's a level of control that the show has actively worked with make me believe no one has. So I'm waiting for that to make more sense. I'm waiting for who put this in motion and then who's making it work from here. Because they haven't given me somebody that I find fully credible to believe that they're actually doing that. So I I feel like there's more to be found out here. I feel like there's more to justify who is maintaining this level of operation. Even assuming that the paranoid ramblings of glory are at all true, or completely true anyway. I think we've got enough evidence to support that the um, selecting who gets to breed and who doesn't is there and true. But who's controlling that? Who's making that decision? I refuse to believe that's just Sims. I, I, I've i not seen enough to think that Sims has that level of oversight. He can't even monitor a, a sheriff moving an old woman through the silo. Much less control the breeding plans for the entire community. So I'm waiting for more to justify all the new little bits of data we have about how the silo actually runs. And all that seems to be eventually going to be feeding in or linked to in some way. What happened to Juliet's mom? Who made that call? How, how it was driven? Because it feels like that is a linking point. That is a branching kind of solution that's going to connect into so many other little facets that we've only been teased at about this world. Um, yeah, that's kind of like the overarching pondering thing I'm going at. We've learned about flame keepers. We've learned about breeding control. Something in the water. Juliet's mom. Flowers in front of a mirror. Raiders that are just waiting around to go put on hockey pads and charge people. So much is being revealed about this world yet in a way that does not perfectly link with what I currently have, which means there's even more to be revealed yet to come, and I'm excited for it. I'm all fucked up in the game about this putting stuff in the water to make us forget. That's a big one. That's not like a minor thing. That's... That's not just straight, we've got a large supply of, supply of opiates, of, of opioids. That, that is impressive level of chemical control if you can make that happen across a whole population for, you know, 140 plus years, apparently. 
I think it's a interesting that like both of us immediately believed her. <laughs> that's that's kind of funny. Uh, two is I started going through. Okay, well, what could, what would that be? You know, I think the most effective thing you could probably put in that I know of, in like, you know, drinking water that would make everybody less likely to test the system is maybe like an an antidepressant. To have everybody sort of walking around you know, prozac up and just sort of, you know, pleased with life for the most part um, and foggy and not asking questions. So um, I don't mean in just any disrespect people on presence. If you're on them and they work for you, great. But I mean, I think that like if you were giving those to people who don't need them, then I think that they could create some brain, brain, brain fog. It, 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 it's, it's straight true that antidepressants, anti-anxiety drugs can at times lead to like memory issues or at least temporary memory loss, right? 100%. Yeah, for sure. And especially with people who don't need them, who don't have anxiety issues, because like you're you're taking somebody and you're bringing them down a level. If you have if you're if you're at a twelve all the time and you, they they take you down three to a nine, great, you're operating relatively normal. If you're already at an eight and they take you to a five, now you're just like you know a zombie. So mm -hmm. that it could be that, but I don't know how the fuck they would. Antidepressants are complicated. I don't know how they'd be making those down there. So I'm thinking, Spencer, it's a small amount of opium. A little bit of opium in the drinking water is what everybody's getting because that's that's the only thing that they'd be able to make, like to kind of grow at that scale that could do that to people. I think that's very possible. It's also you kind of teased out. We have no reason to necessarily believe that everything Gloria says is true. It's like we don't. Yeah, that could be just completely fake. But if you're taking it on the surface, like, right, let's, let's believe it. Now, then the next question is: Have we seen John's? Bernard, the judge, or Sims drink tap water so far this they, season. They're drinking a lot of alcohol. I've not seen him drink tap water. Now, I've seen, I mean, obviously, Barnes is drinking water out of a mug, but I don't know where the water came from. Don't know. Perhaps they're, only, I, I would say they're only drinking rainwater to maintain their precious bodily fluids, but that's a different movie and they don't have rainwater. That's a good question. How are they getting water? They must have an underground well or something. I'm, I'm guessing aquifers, yeah, because we even see that there's groundwater that's coming up at the base where George was swimming. Okay. All right. Yeah, you can tell, like, part of my love of this show is just, like, a fascination with the world he's created and just asking these questions about, oh, okay, all right, so if you're doing this, how would you have aspirin? Like, I, I don't know. That's part of the I'm, fun for me of the show. Now I want to see the cowboy level where they're straight up driving entire herds of cattle around because, you know, I've got questions about the livestock they're running on this thing. Okay. All right. I think that's, I think we did it, Spencer. I think we knocked out another episode. Damn straight, man. We've got episode eight, nine, and 10 to wrap up. It's a 10 episode season. Fuck you, Amazon, Spencer says. <laughs> Damn straight. And we're going to get 10 fucking episodes. We'll do three more. We'll be back with episode eight next week. Thanks everybody for listening and joining this podcast. Please subscribe to whatever you're listening to. Click the subscribe button. So it'll show up in your feed. Spencer and I, create new podcast feeds for every show that we watch, right? So when mm -hmm. we are done with Silo, there is no season two of Silo yet. There will be one, but not yet. We will likely go on to another show at some point. And when we do, we will cross list the first episode of that podcast on this podcast feed. So a real easy way to figure out what we're doing next is to subscribe to this podcast feed because we will drop it in your feed when we start a new show after our review of season one is over. So thanks everybody for listening. We have a great week. We'll be back with you next week to review episode eight.